Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. Tonight we are recapping the week's nerdy news from the Fortress of Solitude to the Spice Mines of Kessel and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me as always is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, I really don't know, Mike. I've been kind of radio silent the last three days, so some of the rundown is probably going to be a surprise to me. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a very uh, in-depth rundown. It's another uh, back back to a bit of a lighter week. Okay. We had a lot to talk about last week, and I'm uh, sure we'll fill the time as we always do. But I was going to say, get ready for some divergences, folks. There's one specific, very tangible point uh, on this rundown, and I'm, I'm sure sure we'll hit it hard oh perfect get to it um for sure a uh programming reminder for folks uh we are not doing loki reviews uh with the show at present i know you have not caught up at this point i have not seen one episode of it yeah insanely yeah um i've seen all three uh my wife and i are both enjoying it greatly um we'll probably end up doing a season recap at some point when mike ends up uh getting around to watching it so there's six episodes and uh, probably sometime in November we'll get around to uh, to handling Loki. That is a that is a great uh, a great idea. Yeah, because I have not watched one episode of it. It's either been I, it's either that I've been busy or the fact that it is late October and it is full tilt spooky <laughs> season, and that is my time. Right, Mike's in his wheelhouse um, right now. I, yeah, yeah. So it's it's hard for me to um to want to watch anything that isn't gonna um scare me or creep me out um because oh no I was, I was about to say this is our last episode before halloween it's not we got an episode right before halloween on well, the 29th we'll be doing one next week yeah unless you, we can't you're thinking about this because it's the last episode before your halloween party yes correct which correct. is very different but also equally amazing but also yes and i put way more effort into my halloween party than i do the actual day of halloween <laughs> um, anyone listening who has been to my party We'll know that yeah. I'm an insane person. <laughs> I decorate my house like I am an insane person. Yes, and I have and seen begins... some deep, deep Yesterday. cuts in your uh, in your pre uh, pre party advertisements. So I'm very excited to see where this is going. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to report back on that next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, this uh, podcast is brought to you by Funky Town Comics in Camillus, New York. Check them out. They just got a huge. Uh, a uh, load of vinyl albums in because they're called Funky Town Comics and Vinyl, not mm-hmm. just Funky Town Comics. Um, they just got a bunch of new vinyl collections in the store. Uh, I think they're I think they hit the floor this weekend, and um, they did. a lot of them, uh, a lot of good stuff. A lot of I, good stuff. I just I stopped in. They did get another killer uh, comic collection in too. Yes, I, I saw that as well. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know if you saw the box that Jeff and I were just thumbing through, but. Probably Holy... not. I was in there Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, like another uh, Straczynski Spider or uh, Spider Gwen cover. Um, oh. The uh, there's there was so much we were thumbing through a bunch of Incredible Hulk keys, a uh, bunch of X Men keys. So it's uh it's they're they're filling the shelves up pretty pretty good there. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Like a Wolverine eighty seven number one. Like yeah, there was some oh. some good ones. They had an one of the videos i saw them post about the record collections um 
Chris was just like thumbing through them real quick, and I saw one by a band called NRBQ, which is a band that Ooh, I love. Yeah, and I love their old stuff, older stuff, I should say. Not gonna do a deep dive on a random band for everybody <laughs> listening right now, but I mean NRBQ isn't that random. No, they're pretty random. I feel like they're pretty <laughs> random, unless you're in like a certain realm of rock and roll. Yeah, fandom. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um. Uh. But anyway, I didn't see what album it was, but. Jesse, if you're listening, if it's still there, maybe uh, let me know what the name of that NRBQ record is, because I have a lot of their vinyl stuff, but I'll take another one if I don't have it already. So, Anyway, uh, they're sponsoring this podcast, so shout out to them. Um, go there and buy some stuff, because it's the best comic book store I've ever been to. Yeah. So, you know, try it for yourself. See if I'm, call me a liar, but only call me a liar after you've experienced it for yourself. Um, we got any other business to take care of up top? I don't think we do, right? Uh, the local yeah. Stuff. We mentioned the I think stuff. we're we're, we're within that. we're within a month. So if uh, if you'd like to uh, plug any of our listeners in the capital district, uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, I haven't really talked about this too much, um, but I have a table at Saratoga Comic Con, um, this November, November third. 17th um, 17th 18th and 17th or no 18th and 19th yes that's right i'm getting my days confused because i've uh, just have stuff for every weekend (laughs) so the weekend the weekend before thanksgiving saratoga's comic con is occurring yes and i will be uh slinging um copies of the amazing shakes number one and uh from the static horror anthology as well as some other random stuff some uh pins probably and uh, maybe a couple old toys I got laying around here. Who knows? Uh, but mostly comics. And uh, who's going to be with me for at least one day, maybe both days, Saturday and Sunday? Mr. Steve Haller himself. Um, so you'll be getting some multiverse report content from Saratoga Comic Con, probably on our socials. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll be able to record something while we're there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But um, I'll definitely be there for two days. Steve will be accompanying me for some of the time. And so uh, if you're, yeah, if you're in the capital region, you're planning on going to Saratoga Comic Con, come and say hi. That'd be great. That'd be Absolutely. Awesome. Look forward to seeing you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. So diving right in. <laughs> Matt, Matt Flint finally, uh, finally caught us live. Welcome. Welcome to the party, man. Hey, Matt Flint. Loving, Matt Flint. Loving the art. <laughs> an incredible artist. Um, uh yeah, just all around. I've seen so much, so much of his work. I follow him on all the socials, and you should too if you're listening. Check out, I think he's at uh, The Art of Matt Flint or just Art of Matt Flint on um, uh, most socials. Instagram is Matt Flint Art. Oh, <laughs> I was close. <laughs> you know, just take those words I said, put them in the right order, and then you're oh, no. to go. Oh, uh, no. That's the wrong Matt Flint. Apologies. Oh, okay. Yeah, go Maybe with The I'm Art right of Matt then. Flint. I know that's at least his Facebook, so. Yeah, he's, a, he's out there. He out there, and he's great. So check them out. Um, you know what else is great? That uh, studios and SAG-AFTRA are sitting down to resume negotiations this Tuesday. That's our bit of strike watch information. Um, there's also something where apparently like a bunch of very famous people, Ben Affleck, George Clooney, made some kind of offer for like them to pay more, uh, more union dues or something to cover expenses for whatever. I, I don't know. I, I think it was a proposal that I don't think it was accepted because I don't even know if it's viable or, you know, it might not have been within union 
um, you know, yeah. the realm of what they could what even they do. Could do. Yeah. So uh, I heard about that, but I didn't really pay too much attention to it because I, I kind of saw that it was dead in the water um, uh, when I was reading it. So, but regular negotiations resuming Tuesday. I know everyone wants to get this resolved one way or the other. So hopefully, hopefully we have a return to work pretty soon for all actors out there. However, even if they come to an agreement on Tuesday, it will not be enough to save Deadpool 3. Deadpool mm-hmm. 3 has officially been delayed. The movie has been removed from its May 3rd, 2024 date without being rescheduled because we don't know how long the strike's going to go on still, so we don't know what the what the post-production is going to look like. They're only, they only shot half the movie, I think, so they still got more shooting to do. Yeah, Plus post-production... And with it being the kind of movie it is, I'm sure they're going to want to take their time with ADR and or reshoots and or figuring yep. out what's going on. Um, I mean, it's not like Ryan Reynolds improvs anything in these movies, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Never it's all perfectly scripted and you know, right off. There's nothing off the cuff. Nothing at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a movie like this, this is this is going to be a, a huge movie. Yep. You know that Marvel wants it to be a huge movie and do huge numbers. It's the return of Hugh Jackman. It's the goodbye to the, you know, the, all the other Fox X-Men characters that we've heard rumored. Like those are probably showing up. It's a goodbye to that entire universe. And it's Deadpool's first MCU movie. They want this movie to be great. There is no reason for them to rush this movie. I hope that they don't. I, you know, delay it as much as you need to delay it to make it great and make it the way it needs to be. Don't rush things. Um, according to Deadline, which is the one that uh, the outlet that broke this story, um, even if the strike was resolved in the next few weeks, it still would not be possible to hit the May third date. So um, this was inevitable. It just was announced this week. So um, no word on when it's going to be rescheduled. Like I said, so this could be as late as I don't know. This feels like a summer movie to me. It feels like they want it to be a big summer movie. So. Is it possible it gets delayed till May of 2025? I don't know if they want, but then that's going to screw up the their whole schedule. Like yeah. I was going to say their whole schedule, but I, I think the whole MCU is just in chaos kind of right now because of the strike, because of fatigue. Uh, Bob Iger saying they're going to spend less money because of you know the general rise of apathy towards the MCU that I'm seeing uh, from a lot of people lately. So... I mean, who knows? I think a movie like Deadpool 3 could certainly be a big shot in the arm to the MCU, so I don't know that they want to wait an entire year to put this thing out. But they, like I said, they do want to make it as good as they can make it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not necessarily a you know tentpole of the MCU or anything, but it's a movie they know is going to make a boatload of money. Yeah, I mean, I think it could become a tentpole of the MCU, though. That's the thing, and I think they think that, too. Yeah, and I guess where it where it establishes the continuity and where it establishes the X Men, it definitely right. could have, you know, a major impact on things. Now, that said, uh, what like if they're if they're moving this, it's probably what New World Order that slots in. Well, that's the rumor is that uh, it's called Brave New World or Brave Chains New World, yeah. Um, Captain America 4, Brave New World, uh, that's being rumored that that might take the place of Deadpool 3. However, Captain America 4 was originally slated to be released on May 3rd. And in one of the many release date shuffles we got in the past, 
it was moved off of May 3rd to July 26th. So if it was moved off of that date, it's to me, it seems unlikely. Like there's a reason they moved it from that date. So it's, to me, it seems unlikely that they would be done with it enough to move it back. Well, you've also got to think they, uh, if they moved it out, it may have been for, you know, VFX or whatever. And with nothing new filming, a lot of these VFX studios have been, you know, look like they're they're catching up on all this work. Like when things That's go true. full they're... full hog again, it, they're going to be behind. But at this point, you know, they're they're still they haven't had too much to work on. Yet. Right? They can crank they can crank things out now because That's true. there's not the 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 feed coming into them isn't as strong as it used to be. So right. yeah, I mean, it may be something where if it was if it was effects and post stuff then maybe they were able to make up that time and be able to bring it back. That's true. I think it all just, it, it's whether or not they have to do reshoots, I guess, yeah. on Captain America 4. Um, and, uh, it you know, also depends on if it's possible for it to come out before any other movie that was scheduled because, you know, the MCU is connected. If it doesn't make sense in the store, in the overall story where it's placed, like who knows if it's got, something that or if they need to change it so it can come out earlier you know like there's who knows who knows but i mean they've kind of burned themselves we've talked about recently they've kind of burned themselves by doing that in the past like sacrificing quality of movie for you know to you know rejiggering the overall story at the last minute just so they can hit release dates or whatever like yo it's not worth it it's not worth it 100 percent um so, and again, I, I think they're really looking at this movie to be something big. So I wouldn't think that they would want to do that. Um, so uh, that's Deadpool 3. But speaking of, yeah, man, because like, sorry, you, you were mentioning how, I'm sorry, I was about to start a new thing and I'm going back. But like, um, they want it to be big. They want it to be good. This is the first X character that's appearing in the MCU. Yeah, that's officially right? MCU, like officially produced by by Marvel Disney Studios. and MCU, right? Yeah. So, like, and we've heard all the rumors that well, we know Hugh Jackman's going to be in it. We've heard all the rumors that there's other X Men characters. This is the first MCU movie that had. Well, okay, sorry, Professor X was in Multiverse and, of Madness, and technically uh, Kamala Khan as well. True, they did say she was a mutant in her show. Yeah, but like canonical, like. Not when that you, people when don't you care think about of Professor mutants. X, but like, yeah. yes, yeah, this is like a big one. And we're going to get a probably, if those rumors are true, we're going to get a lot of X-Men yeah. in this movie. They're not going to be MCU X-Men. They're going to be Fox X-Men. But who knows what else this movie has in store. This movie might lay the groundwork or open the door for the MCU's version of the X-Men. So another reason why they need to take their time and need to make this right, make this the right way and also that maybe they can't, you know, they, they can't move the, they can't move things around too much if, like, this is going to be like, oh, by the way, here's a bunch of X-Men in the post credit scene or whatever. And then, you know, yeah. whatever. I don't know. But at the but same time, like, rumors, there's, there's no, like, right now there's no X-Men. There's nothing to tie this to a certain point. So I guess you could slot it into the release calendar wherever. It's not like this has to be done that we know of to hit, like, you know, oh, this has got to be done before Thunderbolts comes out, which two right. days ago I uh, learned was coming out again. Um, 
<laughs> I feel like that one's been lost to the sands of time, but I keep forgetting about that movie. Yeah. And I um I was gonna ask you a question when we get to our next story, so I'll save it okay. for that. Um but speaking of rumors and speaking of Deadpool three if it's I do I talk- care, the answer is no. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's not that question. Okay. Um I think we talked about this rumor recently on the show, right? The Taylor Swift thing. Did we yes, talk about this? I think we did. Uh, I know you and I talked about uh, yeah. it. I don't know if we talked about it on the show. I think we hit it on air last week. Or two weeks ago or something. Whatever, because... yeah. Anyway, the, there's, it's been heavily rumored that Taylor Swift is playing the mutant Dazzler in Deadpool 3. Which her um, eras to her costume is 100% Dazzler. So yeah, there great. you go. Perfect. Um. I don't remember. I'm sure I said this the first time we talked about it, but that would be just like the most genius thing that any uh, any Disney exec could approve. Right. Do <laughs> you want Taylor to guarantee Swift. this makes even more money than it was already guaranteed yeah. to make? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, the a popular, popularity of Taylor Swift is insane. And it's not hard. For, I, I was about to say it's hard for me to understand. It's not hard for me to understand. It's hard for me to uh like wrap my mind around right. just how how popular and how famous she is like i feel like she's the first modern musician that is like as famous as the beatles were when they explode you know what i mean cuz yeah. like the beatles were like the biggest thing ever and then everything got so fractured and divided in like mm-hmm. not only like genre and music but also like now like everyone listens to music in different ways or on different things. And there's so much out there. Like there's not just like one content funnel of things, but somehow Taylor Swift has eclipsed all that. So it's just insane. So putting her in any movie is a genius idea. And you're going to make a billion dollars, especially if it's Deadpool three, which people are going to see anyway. Right. So that alone, sorry, just a big wrap up on that rumor real quick. Director Sean Levy was asked about the rumor that Taylor Swift is playing Dazzler. And about those rumors, he said, they sure are loud, meaning the rumors, and then went on and said, I'm going across the board, no comment, because that's a double whammy. That's Taylor-related, and it's MCU-related. I'm no dummy. You'll just have to wait and see. Smartest things he's ever said. What's that? The smartest thing he's ever said. Smartest thing he's ever said. He's able to plausibly deny that he said anything. He's able to fuel the fire. And he's able to say, no, I didn't say she was in it when she, if she inevitably isn't. And I'm not saying anything. Yes. The power that Taylor Swift wields, if she said nobody can know or whatever, and he slipped up, then she's gone. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's, yeah. Yeah. That's a, Um, it's, it's a well-crafted ploy by Levy there. Like he definitely, definitely hit that out of the park. I'm going to say, I think that she's in it. I think this is true. I wouldn't think? be surprised. I I think I think it's the the rumors are, you know, it's it's Taylor Swift, so the rumors are going to be loud no matter what. But yeah. I it seems like the rumors where there's smoke there's fire and if she isn't in it, they definitely at least uh you know, may have approached her to be in it. Yeah. So, yeah. I I mean there was footage of all of them like Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds and Sean Levy like hanging out at like a, a football game or a baseball game or something like not long ago. And that's where this like this right. rumor has been around for a long time. Right. We only talked about it after that video came out a couple of weeks ago. But like 
right. this video, her this hang- rumor's been out here a long time that she's been connected to this movie. So. Right. Her hanging out with them at the at that game was like, okay, this is that's the where there's smoke, there's fire type thing, I think. Yes. Of like, that was yeah, the, like, now there's... Oh, I remember that rumor. Now I believe it even. Yeah, yeah there's some sort of, oh, sure. wow, that's kind of plausible that that could happen. Okay. Maybe we'll exactly. look into that a little t- or a little little deeper. Exactly. Um, all right. So moving on to more MCU related stuff. Um, there's a new book that's out. Came out last week or two weeks ago. Pretty recently. Yeah, I, I actually, I, so as a, well, go for it. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a book called MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios. Uh, there's three different authors. I only wrote down one of the names, Joanna Robinson, um, who's a contributor to a couple of podcasts that I have listened to in the past. Um, uh, she's one of the one of the three authors of this book. Uh, apparently, the book is getting really great reviews. It's very in-depth, um, kind of like study and look about all just the history of um, the studios from pre-Iron Man, the lead up to Iron Man, and then beyond, and how it kind of, how they took over Hollywood for a long time. Possibly possibly in the waning days right now, who knows? Or just in a, a reconfiguration right now. I really think, like, looking at what we're about to talk about, and just in general, I kind of think the MCU is just really, I think I just said this, but, like, really kind of just, like, in chaos right now. Um, there's, I really believe that. I don't know. It's just, and it's, I think all the signs are there, but I don't really see too many people talking about it. Um, as far as, specific as, as like I'm talking being... about it right now, I guess it just seems like, yeah, I, I think there's more chaos going on at Disney and at Marvel studios than they are letting on. And I think there's more probably a frantic course corrections and um, figuring out what the hell are we going to do? than there has been in a long time because I think they, they, I think they see, I think they're reading the room yeah, and they're not going public with, you know, what they're needing to change. I, I don't know. I don't, they're not going to admit it, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if there's people not panicking, but getting nervous over at Marvel studios or trying to figure out what's going on next. Yeah. I think you're probably you know right I mean there. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's uh. I don't know. It seems like it's one of those where uh, maybe I I think the course correction is there in the sense of what we talked about last week with the showrunners and uh, things moving in that direction and having some sort of um, some sort of oversight, which I would assume translates also to the movie side of things, but who knows? Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, I think I, it's become it's become almost overwhelming for, you know, we talked about it like Feige as a exec should not be the one show running these shows. Right. And he shouldn't be the one doing the overarching like since he got the promotion, quote unquote, at Marvel. That's where we're starting yeah. to see things drop off. If you if you right. look at the, the timelines, that's almost where we saw it go because he can't be an executive and helm this whole thing at the same time. Yeah. I mean, and you and I have been talking about since we started this podcast, we've been talking about how there's too much Marvel stuff to keep up with. Like there's just, there's just too much content. And, you know, when we started it, there wasn't as much as there is now. And there's even more now. And in, in us saying that us saying there's too much, we're just consuming it. 
right. now look at the people that are making it and you know it's like you just said it's still just kevin feige who's like <laughs> the executive producer of all of these things and he's very hands-on yeah in all of these things so there's too much for us to watch he's making it he's got to be just right on the edge of sanity <laughs> i feel like at this point so especially when you know earlier in the year you got by Iger saying like marvel's brand has been diluted from all of the content that they're putting out so you know that the upper brass at disney is like yo dude you're doing too much yeah so um if this is the question i was going to ask and i'm going to ask it now before we get into this story because i just teed it up really well we're saying Deadpool's getting delayed. We've seen things get shuffled around. We know other things are going to get shuffled around because of the strike. We just haven't announced it yet. They haven't announced them yet. It was like Thunderbolts was about to start filming when the strike happened, but then stopped. And so whatever date that has, it's been That's pushed not. by six months. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's not happening. Well, pushed by six I months wouldn't... and possibly farther, depending on for sure. what the ramifications oh, sure. of stopping the strike are like do they have to go back Absolutely. to the writer's room or what what has to happen i just meant that their start filming date has been pushed at least at least six yeah. months yep. you know um but i wouldn't be surprised well i know for sure we're gonna other see, th see other things get moved and get delayed i would not be surprised if things get canceled yeah because of the delay and because of the Bob Iger stuff that we talked about months ago, you know, we're not going to do anything that isn't going to be great and we're going to spend the money where it needs to be spent, but we're not just going to spend money on everything. And Marvel's brand is being diluted. Yeah. I would not be surprised if we think, see things get taken away. So Steve, off the top of your head, the projects that we know have been announced, what can you see disappearing from the Marvel slate? Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts. Like, there's no... I I would love to see Florence Pugh as Yelena Blova again. Same. However, I mean, David Harbour is David Harbour. I can see him in a bunch of David Harbour movies. But, yeah. like, I'll go watch Hellboy again. That's fine. Um, I, um... I've never seen David Harbour Hellboy. I have neither. Should watch that. <laughs> so you said, again, knowing that you've Right. Seen it the first time. Okay. I have seen the okay. other Hellboy numerous times. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Ron Perlman does a does does work. But bang up. Um, job. yeah the, the. I mean, yeah, like that's that's got to be where you clear, clear the slate because basically right now, twenty twenty four, any release dates that have been announced for twenty twenty four, uh, consider that whole thing like an amoeba. It's just kind of whatever's oh, yeah. happening is happening. Huge amount of influx yeah um on anything that's supposed to come out in 2024 um i would say thunderbolts as well except for they were so close to starting filming it seems like they may not want to pull the plug on that because they've already done so much work to lead up to it i'm looking at blade although blade has Mahershala Ali, Oscar-winning Mahershala Ali attached to star in it. And Blade has been proven as a financially successful film franchise in the past. So that makes me lean away from Blade. But then I think about things we haven't heard a lot about, like Armor Wars. Yeah. Who needs an Armor Wars movie? 
I don't think I don't think anybody needs a movie about people in Iron Man suits when it's not Iron Man. No offense to Don Cheadle and War Machine, but like I don't think we need that movie. I can imagine that project disappearing as well as like future seasons of What If or you know, future seasons of any almost any Marvel television show. I can see not going. Yeah. anymore. I mean, right just now just to save money. And that's not not like a standard not none of none of my critiques here or the things that I'm naming are measures of quality. It's just like if I need to cut something, what's frivol what sounds frivolous? The Thunderbolts is kind of number one on that list for sure. And then I go to Armor Wars. Yeah, I mean the rest of phase five TV. You already have filmed and wrapped uh Echo Echo Agatha and Ironheart. Do any of those get the Batgirl treatment? Um, wow. I hadn't thought about that, but maybe. I mean, I could I would have said any of those three if they hadn't already been filmed. Yeah. All of those three seem superfluous and just like filler. Which yeah. is fine if they're good, but I don't know. I'm getting to a point where I feel like the the shows should just have nothing to do with the movies at all. Like, don't try to tie it in. Just tell me a good story. But don't I don't need everything to tie in so neatly because I don't know. Make it make it more like the uh uh make it more like actual comics. Where yeah, there's some through lines, but not everything has like things get retconned all the time. All the time. All the time. And think about how much better the the comic I'm reviewing later is wildly out there. Yeah. So can't can't wait. (laughs) Anyway, this is all a digression. Um, As we started talking about uh, MCU, the reign of Marvel Studios, new book um, co-authored by Joanna Robinson. She gave a quote in an interview. She's out promoting the book. She's on a podcast. And she said that there was a quote, unused quote from Marvel Studios president, Kevin Feige. Unused quote. And that quote was, uh, she said it was quote, sort of implying that like secret wars will serve as a soft reboot in which they can prune everything, prune everything that's not working and just keep what is or bring back people you thought were gone forever. So you're going to wait four years to do a soft reboot. Well, yeah, because they're in this bed of their own making with this like tight continuity where they can't just drop Secret Wars. They can't. I, I don't think they can switch up their slate enough to drop Secret Wars in 2026 or 2025. You know, they have to like get all those actors together. They have to film. There's not even a director attached for Secret Wars yet. And it's supposed I, to come out after another Avengers movie. We don't know what's happening in Kang Dynasty. There's not even so any other to, like, Phase 6 stuff announced, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, there's Fantastic know, Four and the two Avengers movies, and that's it. Like, I know. If that's all of phase six, that's all of phase six. But like, I don't know. Like, make, I know, man. Make, yeah, I know. It makes no sense. I mean, a movie like Secret Wars does seem to be a good point to make it a soft reboot because whatever, there's different dimensions and different realities or whatever the end the doors close and whoever's left is like the new team you know like that quote-unquote is a sensible 
place to do a soft reboot. Now, I'm sure it's comics, it's superheroes, it's crazy writing. You could do a soft reboot in Kang Dynasty, or you could do a soft reboot in Fantastic Four if you wanted to. You could figure out how to do it. You could figure it out. So, and I I like half this quote, and I don't like the other half of the quote. The half the quote that I like is that, like, I think Marvel Studios probably needs a soft reboot. I think it's getting too far away from itself. And um, I think that's probably a smart idea. So you're not, you're not doing away with everything that you've done. You're just being like, okay, all these other storylines, they don't matter anymore. Like, you know, this uh, Joanna says pruning. Yes, you're pruning the characters that don't work or whatever, and you're just going to stick with what, what does work, and you're going to go forward with that. That makes a lot of sense. Marvel, you should do that. This is a good idea. The part that I don't like is when she says, or bring back people you thought were gone forever. I don't want them to bring people back from the dead just because they think they're going to make more money at the box office. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like comics are comics. Movies are movies. They're different mediums. I buy in comics that have been going on for 60 to 80 years. You got to bring somebody back from the dead every once in a while. You kill them because it's drama, but then you run out of things to do and you got to bring them back. Like name a comic character that hasn't died. It's really hard to do. Hard to, hard to name a superhero that hasn't died and come back. But yeah, I mean, there might have been Dick some Ray. X-Men Dick at Grayson. some point. Yeah, yeah that's probably there might have been some X-Men at some point, but now they're all dead and back and dead and back. Right. Because exactly. Koa. X- so. X-Men are the like some of the highest. Uh, oh, we're, they, they're killed off all the time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Highest body count. That's yeah. what I was trying to say. Yeah. I mean, there, In, there's been multiple yeah. mutant genocides. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Happens all the time. It's like, oh, it's a Tuesday. All the mutants are dead again. Cool. Yeah. It's easier for me to accept that than it is. It would be if they brought Robert Downey Jr. back. Like you know, I, and I, now, I'm still I'm someone Chris that Evans, I miss Chris Robert Evans Downey is, Jr. Chris Evans is on the books for more, isn't he? At least some sort I of think appearances. So. I think so. I mean, I could, I could more excuse that because he's not technically dead in the MCU. True. You know what I mean. You bring back right, Scarlett Johansson. You bring back Robert Downey Jr. I'm like, come on, man! Yeah. Like, let them let that story be done and just move forward. Mm-hmm. Move on. Don't just try to retread stuff because you realized it was a bad idea to get rid of them or whatever. You know, like, yeah. you know, don't pin the fact that your box office numbers are slipping on the fact that Robert Downey Jr. is not playing Iron Man anymore. Like, you made that decision. You let it go. Like, figure out something else. You know, don't just rehash stuff. That's how I feel about it. Anyway, uh, I've been talking about MCU a lot. Uh, just quick follow-up on something we talked about last week, Steve. You brought up the Marvel's box office had been uh, looking like it was about to underperform. Um, I just wanted to mention the Marvel's box office predictions have increased. They're now expecting a 75 to $80 million opening weekend, which is better than previously reported. Um, however, this book, The Reign of Marvel Studios, also claims that Brie Larson has been, quote, disillusioned with playing Captain Marvel after all the online attacks that came after her after the first film, and she is considering leaving the role. I would not be surprised by that one, one bit after the absolute barrage of misogynist bullshit that that Oscar-winning actor has had to put up with ever since signing on to play um, a uh, famous and well-known superhero. So um, I would not blame her one bit for feeling disillusioned. I would not blame her one bit for wanting to um, not re-up her contract. So 
Soft reboot, I can imagine Brie Larson not being there anymore. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, good to see that's gaining a little more traction, though. Um, yeah. I think both of us are, you know, uh, it's it's weird because I'm excited to see it. I, but I also have zero expectations, which might yeah, be why I'm excited to see it. Yeah. It's also been a little bit since a Marvel movie. You know, it's not since Guardians, which came out in May. So it's yeah. been six months since a Marvel movie. So there's going to be some hardcore MCU fans that go. I can't imagine it having a ton of staying power at the box office. Although, like, I don't know what else is coming out. Like, Dune, well, Dune was coming moved. out around yeah. the same time, but Dune got moved. So I don't know. Maybe it will stick around for a while. I, I can imagine it having a pretty big second weekend uh, drop off, but we'll see. I mean, we'll that's see. nothing new for the MCU lately. No, exactly. Hell, that's yeah. nothing new for most movies lately outside of like Barbenheimer. Yeah. Yeah, I know. The summer, we just had a summer of incredible, a bunch of incredible action movies coming out and almost all of them underperformed. So, right. Think, like, I, I'd be curious to go back to like May and see when we were talking about Indy and Mission Impossible and all these yeah. others, everything else that came out. And it's like, huh, literally nothing made a splash except for Barbie and Oppenheimer. Right. Yeah. Did you, you saw Mission Impossible, right? Yeah, I did. I thought it was good. Yeah. Good, not great. It wasn't like not up to. Well, I mean, it was really good. I would like to see it again. It yeah. wasn't, I didn't think it was as good as the sixth one, Fallout. Fallout. That's was probably my very favorite good. one. Yeah. Um, I still remember when you got I, me back on the Mission Impossible train. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Where I was like, oh, I saw the, you know, I saw one and two and then started to watch three and I was like, nah, I'm not doing this. No, do it again. <laughs> then you're like, oh, well, Finish four through here. <laughs> You know, it was, I saw one and I or saw one, kind of liked it, saw two. I don't even Bad. know if I, yeah, got through yeah. the whole thing. And then uh, I was like, I never saw another one. And then you're like, no, three's the good one. Like, go back and watch that. I'm like, okay. Some people don't like three. I think it's great. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman's a bad guy. So good. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're just off to the races after that. So right. good. Um, Yeah. Dead that, Reckoning Part One. I guess I, they're, movies that, they're movies that know what they are. Yes. Yeah. They're not trying to be something they're not. I agree. Um I thought I thought uh Dead Reckoning was very good, although because it is a part one of a part two, I probably said this one when, when I saw it, but like I felt like it's it had to spend a lot of time setting up two uh, okay. movies. Yep. Um, but not uh paying off a lot of what they had to set up. So I feel like the second one is probably gonna move a lot quicker and mm-hmm. like hit a lot harder. And I'll probably retroactively like the first one more. Um, but because things were left open ended, I felt a little um little less uh blown away by it yeah, than it would have been for other. Yep. Uh moving into some DC stuff. This is barely uh barely a story, really. But uh Matthew Vaughn, uh famed director of films like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, X-Men First Class, and the Kingsman franchise. My brain was trying Admits to, to realize if that what, was the same Matthew Vaughn I was thinking of. Yeah, same Matthew Vaughn. He's a great director. Uh, says that he has spoken to James Gunn about working in the DCU. Uh, this has been a rumor for a while, um, and he was asked about it uh, recently, and he said, DC has reached out. Gunn and Peter, we've been talking, and they're great. James, you know, he reinvents Superman. Don't know what he knows about that. He that hmm. seems like he knows something about yeah 
Superman Legacy that he's not saying anything about. Um, so he said, never say never. At the moment, I'm very much enjoying creating my own things. I think Gun, the franchise, or DC is in the best hands it's been in for a long time. So let's see what happens. Um, uh, Matthew Vaughn has been rumored to be involved with the authority, uh, the film, the authority that James Gunn announced. And I think he'd be good for that because it's James Gunn is or not James Gunn. Matthew Vaughn. I've also recently heard him say things about how he thinks superhero movies need to like pump the brakes a little bit. And, you know, the authority being kind of like just kind of off the beaten path slightly. I mean, it's still very much a superhero story, but, um, you know, it just going a little bit to the side so he might that might be something that um yeah uh he gravitates towards are you a fan of uh matthew vaughn ever seen of his films i, I think have, he's a really good director and i yeah. agree yeah i think um i've never seen any kingsman movies i've heard they're really I good not i should sit down and watch them. yeah uh, I've heard the first one specifically is really great yeah and i really need to watch that yeah i want to um, see I want to say it was your brother-in-law that was like, you should actually watch this. Yes. Yeah. Dan yeah. loves those movies. Yeah. But he's like in a espionage. I was going to say that. That fits right into his wheelhouse. Very so. much. Very much his wheelhouse. I, I think X-Men First Class is probably one of the best X-Men movies, in my yeah. opinion. I think. Like, it's up there for me. Yep. Um, Kick-Ass. Oh, yeah. And Kick-Ass, too. That's right. That yeah, was that Kick-Ass. Yeah. Sure was. Sure was. I mean, um, yeah. Lockstock and Snatch were both great. Yeah. Never saw Layer Cake. No, me either. Or Stardust. Um, he also gave a quote in an interview. And he was originally going to direct X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Mm. And he quit that movie. Do you want to know why he quit that movie? Why did he quit that movie? He walked into a producer's office one day, and he saw a script for X-Men 3, the movie that he was directing. And he said it looked a lot thicker than the one that he had. So he picked it up, and he opened it to the first page. And the first page had a scene where Storm creates a windstorm or a, a rainstorm in Africa to give water to like starving children or like children that are like dehydrated. Yeah. And like saving them. And he says, What's this? This is a new scene. I don't know the scene. And the producer said, Oh, that's uh, Halle Berry's script. She wants that to be in the movie. So we're putting it in there. So she reads it. And then once she signs on to the movie, we'll just throw it out. And he said, that's a bullshit way to get people to be on your movie. Yeah. So he quit. Hey, so, that's I have more power to him because that's stand a up very, guy. very, uh, yeah, that's not great. Yeah. So stand up guy, Matthew Vaughn. However, get ready to tangent, Steve. I think you and I might disagree with him on this next point that he said this past week that blew up my Twitter feed. Matthew Vaughn, I don't have the exact the exact quote, but Matthew Vaughn thinks and doesn't understand why nobody has rebooted Star Wars. As in Star Wars Episode 4 New Hope thinks that it easily could be rebooted because there's so much more stories that could be told with the characters of Luke, Han, and Leia. Why aren't they doing this? Why haven't they told these stories? It seems like a no-brainer. Something again, I'm this is not the exact quote. Right. Something along those lines. I guess. What do you think, Steve? Uh, there's, there's two. I guess there's one caveat. I don't think they should reboot a new hope. I yeah. do think they should recast the original three. Uh, yeah. Like I, I, I agree with that. That's. It seems like it's a, like he says, it's a no-brainer. There's a lot of stories well, to tell. 
they already recast one of those characters. Yeah, so and he was great. We got one. And you got the whoever's doing the most of the work on uh Mandalorian and uh Boba Fett there whenever uh, yeah. Luke shows up like just have that guy play Luke. Oh, I loved I loved when they showed the stills of him or the shots of him like doing the mocap. Yeah, with like, like the dots on his face. Why, like, you look why like are Mark they, Hamill, dude. Yeah, like why did they superimpose Mark Hamill's visage <laughs> yeah. over this? Like he's yeah. just standing there. What are you doing? Yeah. Um and also you got um Billy Lord. Yeah. Fisher. Have her have her play Leia. Yeah. I mean right she's there. it's done. She's already uh been cast in Star Wars, but yeah. I know, but you you dye your hair, you put her in a different outfit, and she's Leia. Yeah. You're done. You're done, Lucasfilm. There, we did it for you. <laughs> I agree with you. I do not think I think part of the appeal of Star Wars, and we've talked about this, I feel like recently, is the fact that it takes place over a very long timeline. Yeah. Um both in reality and in the universe of the stories that are being told. Um, so I think, I don't know, that's, uh, that's part of the magic to me that it has never been rebooted. And I don't think we have to reboot it because there are still, I don't know, maybe Matthew Vaughn doesn't read the comics or doesn't watch the shows or doesn't, you know, read the novels or all these other like, there's a wealth of stories being told about these exact characters. Yeah. Um, I have, I have gone on record in the past on this show saying that I would love more. Sorry to the comics readers, non comic Luke Han and Leia stories. Like I would love an animated series a la clone wars or rebels that takes place during the original trilogy somewhere yeah. between empire and Jedi or between new hope and empire, like, or both or whatever, you know, or after, you know, give us an animated series. that's post Jedi, like Mandalorian timeline or something like that. Like I would love that, love that. And you get the people that do the voices in the video games or whatever, you know, and have them uh, do those voices. It would be animated, but you know, you're saying li- recast and do live action stuff. I would love that too. I would love that. I think Lucasfilm was scared of recasting because they, they think the recasting is what people didn't like about Solo, and sure, there's a fair amount of people that didn't like it because it wasn't Harrison Ford, but those people are dumb. Harrison Ford is 80. Alden Ehrenreich is not, so, like, right. just, it's fine. It's fine. Just get over it. It's fine. Um. So, yeah, Steve, I hadn't thought of that before you said it, but yes, I 100% agree with you. I don't think you need to reboot A New Hope. A New Hope is a perfect film. Um, And, I don't know, like, well, Matthew Vaughn, are you saying that you, do you think you could make a better movie than episode four, a new hope? I don't know that you could dude. Like, you, do I you know, like the, I, the I amount wonder, of, I'm very curious what the context of the quote was. Cause I'm wondering if it is something like what we're saying where it's not like remake, uh, star Wars or, but soft reboot the franchise in the sense that utilizing those actors or utilizing those two actors, should I say? So I don't know. Oh, what's that's right. It's even here's the. Find it. Um, He was on the happy, sad, confused podcast. Asked if he asked if he would be interested in helming a Star Wars film. um, If he could recast the core original characters, he said, for me, doing a Star Wars movie is to play with the characters I love. If they said to me. They'd reboot Star Wars and actually have Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Vader 
and do your version of it, everyone would say you're an idiot to try, but that would, but that would excite me. Why are these characters so hollowed from that 1977? You can, can't you, you can't redo it for a new audience. That's what I would do. Everyone is going to go batshit crazy, but let's bring it on. If you want a new generation, make the movie for them. The old generation, hopefully you make it well enough that they enjoy it. Uh, Star Wars is the Skywalker family, and that's where I think they've gone wrong. They forgot. They've done a brilliant, they've done brilliantly in TV, but it needs an epic new film. So that Hmm. part is what I think some people didn't like either because he seems to think that star wars should only be about the star skywalker family whereas a lot of fans are straight up sick of things being about the skywalker family i'm not one of those people i like a mix of both um yeah yeah. it's it's weird because if you yeah i don't know and that the quote's kind of weird too in the sense that it's like there's a couple things he's saying but he's not saying but he's saying I, I yeah i don't even know what he's trying to convey like it sounds like uh yeah i'd love to reboot it but also everyone it, would hate it every, yeah but, like I, yeah. I think what he's saying is he would like the challenge of it yeah and like to put his own spin on it yeah but commercially it's probably not a viable option yeah but also it seems like go play in the sandbox like i'd welcome him playing in the sandbox for sure like yeah. if they're gonna like what you just said like recast those three characters but um let someone else tell a new story give it to matthew vaughn absolutely he seems down to the challenge for sure because even that even recasting those characters because we know the backlash that people got uh worked up over with uh, alden ehrenreich being han solo you're telling me that one he's back as han solo plus two recasts of the other two most famous characters from those movies like People, some people are going to be out of their minds. I'd be out of my mind excited. Some people would just be livid. But, you know, you and I are Star Wars fans that live in the modern world, so we understand that it's impossible to please all Star Wars fans. Yes. What are you going to do? Um, uh, Alden, I forgot Alden Ehrenreich had a hell of a 2023. Yeah, he was in Oppenheimer. Yeah, and Cocaine Bear. Oh, that's right. I forgot yep. he was in Cocaine Bear. Yeah. But yeah, he's in like one of the highest grossing movies of the year. Yeah, so, he's doing okay. He's doing fine. And you know what? I'm sure he'll come back as solo someday. Oh yeah. Especially in the like if the if they if the Lando, Lando, Lando series gets or Lando movie or whatever it is gets greenlit, like somebody gotta play Han. I'll be mad if he's not in that. I'll be oh. straight mad. Uh <laughs> so I uh for the first time this weekend I played Sabak. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you sent me a picture. How'd that go? <laughs> it was interesting. It's uh yeah. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Disney uh is selling decks of Sabak cards, which yep. you know in the Star Wars universe, it's an it's a card digital ish card game with random stuff and like randomized values on the cards, and it shuffles. It is. It's like a poker style game but with a thing of randomness to it. And they, it is they the game find... that Han and Lando are playing when yes. Han wins the Millennium Falcon from Lando. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And inherently, they translated it to physical cards and a dice mechanic for the randomness. Uh, that said, uh, it was, you know, it, it's a well-crafted game if you want a poker-style game in the Star mm-hmm. Wars universe. 
with an air of randomness to it. Would I play it again on a random night just for shits and giggles? No, but I have a deck of Sabacc cards oh. now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, funny, funny enough, when the uh, Solo movie came out and Disney obviously wanted to capitalize yep. uh, on the fact that the game is the centerpiece of the movie, they made their own Sabacc cards. But at that time... This is true. Look, at, I don't know the details, but at the time there was some kind of license dispute of like there was some other game called Sabak. And so they couldn't call it Sabak. So they released it and they just it was called Han Solo card game. Wow. So uh, when you sent me that, I was like, are you playing Sabak or are you playing Han Solo card game? But apparently <laughs> you had the, that license yeah, they... has been resolved and now it's actually they can call it Sabak. Yeah, they must have figured it out. And uh it's, it's yeah. crazy that they didn't already own that because that they didn't make up that name for the movie, did they? Did that? Already oh no, exist that's in... been like that exactly in the EU for years. Right. So it seems like they should have already owned that name, but apparently it slipped through the cracks somehow. Who knows? Ah, aha. Uh-huh. So uh, Ren Ventures registered the U.S. trademark Sabak in 2016, the same year Lucasfilm sent them a cease and desist letter. Mm. Uh, with so- Star Wars Solo, uh, Star Wars Solo, a Star Wars story coming out in May 2018, and featuring the card game, uh, Lucasfilm tried to take the trademark back into its fold, first challenging registration, filing federal federal trademark suit. No, oh, okay, countersuit, sue, countersuit, sue, countersuit. Uh, Lucasfilm ultimately was able to trademark Sabak in August 2018. Right, so they just couldn't when the movie was coming out. Because the the legal dispute was still going on, yep. So they couldn't call it that, and they had to put the toy out at some. They had to put the toy into production oh, yeah. before the legal legal dispute was solved. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's great. Crazy. Huh. There you go. Well, um, I would like to place a box someday. So maybe if you ever feel the need, oh, hundred percent, have, have me over and show me how to play. Works for me. We'll get, uh, um, we'll get the, the crew that recorded the Ahsoka finale over and uh, play some Spock. Yeah, film it. Yeah. Let's <laughs> put it out as an episode. Sounds like a plan. Learn how to how to play Spock. <laughs> the multiverse report way. Uh, um, some uh, One miscellaneous uh, story that, Steve, I'm going to ask you to um, do most of the commentating on because I can't really talk too much about it. But a guy named Jay Olivia or uh, Oliva. Oliva. Uh, is going to direct an animated Wheel of Time movie. Wheel of Time uh, is a book series that has had now two seasons air on Amazon Prime, and a third season has been announced. Uh, The animated film is going to be called The White Tower and will take place in the same world as the TV show and book. Um, However, as an original story, it's a prequel set before the events of the book and or the show. The plot is about a young girl discovering she has the ability to channel the one power and uh, must journey to the White Tower in order to be trained. So, Steve, I don't know anything about Wheel of Time. Uh, it's been partially explained to me a number of times. I've forgotten all of it every time. I haven't seen one episode of the show, and I haven't read one book. So, leaning on you, what do you think about this animated Wheel of Time movie? I hope it's better than the show. Mm, have you watched season two? Uh, we started it. Um, I, knew, I-, I knew you weren't hot on season one. I wasn't amazing on how my wife liked it as a oh, non-book okay. reader. I feel like a lot of it was um, divergence from the book. And I think the yeah. more I thought about season one, it wasn't as bad as my brain initially said it was. 
but just also, not what you expected. Right. Um, you know, the, the standard subversion of expectations, but not the, the way you want. Um, <laughs> not the way you expect. <laughs> right. It's almost like they subverted the expectations. I know. Uh, <laughs> but they, um, like, season two apparently is getting mixed. Like, similar similar thing. They've, they've widely diverged from the book. But mm. it's, uh, some people have said it's good. Some people have said it's bad. I don't know. We're going to have a soda in. Um, oh, all right. I, I've dissociated anything from the books. And I'm just like, yeah. all right, this is going to be a show in the world. Cool. We'll take their interpretation yeah. of it. But again, like we talked about in the past, you and I, as comic book readers, I feel like have the ability to do that. Like we've been doing yeah. it for years of like, well, Frank Miller looked at it this way. And, uh, right. you know, Jonathan Hickman is not looking at it the same way. And these are the same characters. And all right, well, let's see which one we like. Yeah, um, exactly. But with this, you know, the plot being uh, a young girl discovering she can use the power and heading to the White Tower seems like a, a good you know baseline you can easily craft something around uh having it be a prequel sets it in a time that's a little more structured and less tumultuous than the timeline of the books um there's a lot of things going for it that you can effectively use the uh use the framework of the <laughs> contagious yawn yeah. sorry man <laughs> use the framework of the uh story to you know create something in the world that's not uh not as controversial or not as um i was just thinking that yeah it because you said you were rubbing up against the season one because it wasn't what the book is well this is an original story just in the world so right well, it's almost like, like you and like fans about, will be more open to it right it's almost like we've talked about for star wars of like yeah use the world and just go do something new exactly and this is kind of them using the world and going and doing something new yeah yeah, um, Jay Oliva has directed a lot of uh, other animated stuff for both DC and Marvel, and he's on storyboards for live-action superhero movies like Batman vs Superman. So he certainly no slouch to um, um, to that kind of stuff. So did, uh, I think that might or uh, Batman Dark Knight Returns too, right? The uh, animated, animated version, one. yes, yeah. yeah, I think so. So cool, 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 cool. Steve, do you have a comic to review this week? I do. I do too. You want to go first? Go first? Or you want me too. I don't care. What do you think, buddy? Uh, yours is I'll... in your hand, so you go for it. Mine is in my hand, and boy, um, I have one from Dark House Comics. It's called Subgenre by Matt Kint, Wilfredo Torres, and Bill Crabtree. And it is a... I did not know that Dark Horse was doing the prestige format style. Oh, wow. Um, similar to DC's Black Label. Some of the Black Label stuff is on a, a prestige, bigger format. Um this is more of like got a magazine feel to it. Like it's like DC has like a little bit of a thicker cover and they have like a, yeah, a full spine kind of to their black label prestige books. But um, this is more just like a floppy kind of like slick uh, magazine pages. Anyway, it's called Subgenre, And I don't really know what it's about. And this is after I read you the, read it. This is after I've read the whole thing. Okay. Like you say that, that before is, you read it, it's one thing. You say it after you right, read it, it's a right. very different thing. I also said it before I read it, <laughs> and I have read it, and now I'm saying it still. However, that's not uh, that's not a negative comment that I don't know what it's about. Uh, I'm going to summarize it real quick. It starts with a guy waking up from a nap. He's being awoken by some kind of... This takes place in the future or a different world or something. They don't, they're not really specific. 
but he's being awoken by like a digital holographic assistant of like a young girl who's talking to him like, Hey, wake up time to wake up. And uh, he's having conversations like Blade Runner 2049 kind of thing where he's having conversations with like clearly a hologram uh, digital thing, you know, doesn't really exist. Uh, he goes like he's immediately attacked by is a great double page spread. Some kind of like pink uh, ninja with like kind of lasery eyes. Don't know who don't know who it is at all. And um, he's like a, a detective and it's like a noir kind of style thing. And he's referencing the fact that it's a noir kind of style thing. He says, um, I, I'll be honest, I do fall into the cliche of the deadbeat private detective. Can't pay my bills living paycheck to paycheck. At least I don't have a drinking problem and I hate jazz music. So I like to think I've broken the mold a little bit. So he's like, they're referencing the tropes of a pulpy yeah. detective, you know, trench coat walk in the streets of a yeah. dirty, you know, again, Think blade uh, runnery almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's future, but it's a detective thing. Trench coat collar popped up. All um, I'm picturing is the Spider-Man noir uh, reference in or when they do the, the backstories yeah. of, all right, one more time. <laughs> yeah. How is there wind blowing in here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. We don't pick the ballroom. We just dance, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not like that hardcore, but it's certainly like outright. Yeah. Yes. And it's outright referencing tropes like that in the text of the book. So he gets hired by this corporation and the corporation is called Decipher Cosmics. Which is trippy to me because every time I read the word cosmics, my brain sees it as comics. Mm. And that makes me think of detective comics. Right. Because it's Decipher Cosmics. So I'm like, is this a reference to DC? Is it a reference to Disney? Because well, we may be talking DC in a minute. I can't wait. Um, but anyway, this giant corporation that produces a ton of content, blah 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 blah, makes me think it's a reference to Disney. Um, and there's been a bunch of they found a bunch of those like pink laser eye guys dead in their corporate headquarters, and so he's supposed to investigate who killed all these guys. So he gets a lead. He finds it's a woman, and the woman quit that company she didn't do the murders but like the lead was that she was disgruntled and she left and she left because she realized that all of the content that the world loves so much that decipher cosmics was putting out was created by ai now so it's soulless that, it's, it's lifeless head, and it's like just she'll she's so upset that like these books that were like meant so much to her and were changing her life were just written by a soulless computer on you know nothing so they go to investigate and they find uh, they go somewhere to try to, I don't know, they, there's a clue what, you know, it's a whole thing. Yep. They find this library of these like, you know, ancient books that, you know, paper, paper books are like hard to come by. They're like a commodity. Um, and he finds these and he's looking at it. He sees himself written on the pages of these books, these stories. He sees drawn versions of himself in these books and he can't, his brain can't read them. He's trying to read these books. He's thinking, why am I in this book? I can't read the title. I can't read the author's name. I can't read anything. He passes out. And when he wakes up, he wakes up like he does on the first page with a little assistant waking him up. But his little assistant is a fairy. Hmm. And he's like some kind of like uh, okay. Dungeons and Dragons buff character. And he wakes up. Weird. And he's in a medieval tavern with a giant warthog and other like people in togas and shit. And he walks outside and sees more of those pink ninjas with laser eyes. Hmm. 
and he's in a different genre of story. And that's when the book ends. So that's like a more in-depth review than I normally do. I kind of like gave away the whole plot of this book, but yeah. like, and I still I have do. no idea what it's about. And I don't know what it's about. <laughs> but I think like this guy is a literary character that's somehow come to life or is just awakening in different genres of his own kind of. I don't really get what's happening, but it's really cool. And it for, like when it was just like a detective thing and it was referencing itself, I'm like, this is a little too on the nose. It's a little too self-referential. Yeah. I don't really understand what's going on. Like, it's a little too, it's like too winky at the audience. Like, yo, I know I get the tropes of the detective mm -hmm. and you meet the sexy lady that hires you or whatever. You're trying yeah. not to fall in love with your client, like that kind of stuff. I'm like, all right, I've seen this a million times. What is happening here? And I'm like, oh, now he's a weird barbarian in Lord of the Rings times or in Dungeons and Dragons or something. It's so like, okay, now I don't know what this book is about at all. And I understand what they were doing in yeah. the first half of the book. I get it. I get it. But I don't know what this book is about. I don't know where it's going, but I would like to know where it's going. And you should also like to know where it's going. Again, it's called Subgenre. It's by Dark Horse Comics. Beautiful prestige, big format. Fun to read. Fun to hold in your hand. Uh, Matt Kent, Wilfred Tor Wilfredo Torres, and Bill Crabtree. Check it out. Uh, they got copies at Funky Town Comics for your own entertainment. So that's mine. Well, then. What do you got, Steve? You got a DC book. I do. We're heading to Detective Comics for Justice League versus oh, Godzilla yes! versus Kong. Because Steve, I'm glad you're reading this because I did not pick up this book and yeah. I want to know about it, Steve. <laughs> Justice so, League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Let's get it. So your opening you your opening is Superman and Lois and having dinner. And okay. Superman is proposing to Lois. Ooh. And then the next page. Oh, damn. <laughs> so as uh, that goes for the, down. For the listener, for the listener that uh, the next page is Godzilla uh, coming out of the harbor of Metropolis, looking like he's going to devour the city yeah. badassedly. Awesome. So, so from there, uh, from there, it it uh, jumps back in time to set up what was happening. Leading oh, up sure. To this. Okay. So sure. that's that's your cold open, and then it resets things. Uh, so I uh, just pulled up the first names of the people that wrote hmm. and did this, um, somewhere and failed miserably because well, well, it's uh. Bucolato, Duce, and Guerrero. I will figure out official right. names on the rest of it. But um, effectively, you jump from seeing Godzilla in the second page of the book mm. back to the whole setup with the Justice League. And then uh, I don't know what the League of Villains is called in DC Universe. Like if there's a um, culmination of villains or whatever. Sometimes they're the Legion of Doom. Okay. Most likely the Legion of Doom, also the Injustice League. Sometimes there's an Injustice okay. League. But I think I think they might have Legion, referred to them as the Legion, but like Legion Le, Legion of Doom is yeah. the most likely. Yeah. So they're you know they're bandying back and forth at various points with um you know figuring out what's going on. Uh, Superman stops a giant ape with lasers coming out of it or Krypton lasers coming out of his eyes. A giant ape that is not 
King not Kong. King Kong. Okay. Just uh, one of the many sentient giant gorillas that exist within DC continuity. Yes. There are plenty uh, of. Speaking yes. of which, Gorilla Grodd there you uh, go. is there in the uh, Legion. I don't know who the, I was cat, thinking, who the like, cat person is. The cat person? There's a cat, a, a very feline villain. Is it Cheetah? Sure. Looks like it. I Probably can see cheetah. that. Uh, Black Manta, uh, Toy Maker, or Toy, Toy, Toy Man. Man. Toy Man. Um, Toy Man this has is a classic. Classic Legion of Doom lineup so okay. far. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, a crazy bald guy too. I don't know where he comes in. Mm, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they they effectively try some heists. Uh, the Justice League foils them, but uh, a is it a mother box? Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. Uh, gets activated. Wow, they're really and they get, all the points of the DC universe, and they get here. transported wow. to Skull Island. The Legion does. The Legion and, uh, yeah, the Legion gets transported to Skull Island. Okay. Um, and then, so the entire Legion ends up on Skull Island, and Gorilla Grodd and King Kong do their thing. I was thinking, again, I haven't read this issue, but I was thinking that it would be insane if some point, if one of the super intelligent gorillas that exist in the DC Universe did not communicate with King Kong right. at some point. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Kong. Yeah. Uh, with Grodd just standing down there doing his thing. Um, yeah. And then Toy Man. Toy, Toy Man? Man, yes. Toy Man. Uh, Toy Man. Still weird to say. Uh, ends up doing some, uh, seeing a what he thinks is a toy of Godzilla. And apparently Toy Man is what activates Godzilla. Oh, okay. So you're left with, you're left with uh, Superman and Godzilla and the Legion on Skull Island. And wow. that's where okay. the, that's where it ends and you're just like, okay. I don't know what happened. Um it it's fixing for a fight. It's definitely like you said, it hits every trope of the Justice League and Legion of Doom and whatever. Like yeah, 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 there's yeah. banter between Flash and Green Lantern and whoever. Sure. Uh the whole nine. Um and you know, overall it it was entertaining. Like the art was solid. Yeah. Uh if you like the Justice League or Godzilla or Kong, it's probably a fine read. Like I, I feel enjoyed like it. Any, any kind of crossover like this, the first issue I feel like um is always like the clunkiest one. Cause it's yeah. gotta like do the work to like justify why Godzilla and King Kong are attacking the Justice League or you know, like they have to figure that out. Like and yeah. that's like in any movie like alien versus predator or freddy versus jason they're like okay what's a scenario that makes sense for these two to end up fighting each other and we have to figure that out and get it all out of the way in the first act so then the next two acts can be like off to the races so i i assume it's probably the same with this but that seems like a pretty uh pretty cool uh explanation oh yeah no, it seemed uh ah, sorry. They so the splash page with the artist names and whatnot was not in the front of the book, it was on the I'm last back. page. Uh Brian Bucolato, Christian Duce, and Luis Guerrero uh on colors. Nice. So uh awesome. real like I mean, if you like any of the three, I'd say it's probably worth picking up. Like I it was fine. Yeah. I had no qualms yeah. with it. I um a book called the justice justice league versus Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, I'm in, I'm reading that for nothing but entertainment 
purposes. Oh, 100%. I'm not looking it's for anything deeper than straight up popcorn. Exactly. I want to watch Superman punch a giant mutated radioactive dinosaur in the face. That's all I'm really looking for in that comic. Like for sure. Like that. Yeah. The, the yeah, next the like next that. page. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. Nothing deeper than that. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, it when when you read a title Godzilla versus Justice League versus Kong, yeah. it's like What do you expect? What are you what are you looking for? We're not it's looking not for change your life. Here. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Not high art. It's not exactly not high art. Um, this week in your local comic book store is a pretty big week. I just kept writing down um, banger after banger of title. I feel like this yeah. week, a lot going on. We got Action Comics number one thousand and fifty-eight. Alan Scott, The Green Lantern, number one, new uh, Green Lantern story arc, number one. Um, this will be the third Green Lantern book because there's Green Lantern with Hal, and then there's. Green Lantern War Journal with John Stewart, and then Alan Scott Green Lantern is the third mainline Green Lantern book for DC. Pretty wow. cool. Um, I feel like they don't usually have that many multiple titles for them. Anyway, Alpha Flight number three, Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-six, Batman Beyond Neo Gothic number four, Batman Brave and the Bold number six, Captain America two, Captain Marvel one, Dark X-Men number three, Detective Comics number one thousand and seventy-five, Edenwood number one, Flash number two, Gargoyles number ten. Giant Robot Hellboy, number one. Don't know what that is, but I love that combination of words. <laughs> Green Arrow, number five. Hallow's Eve, The Big Night, number one. Harley Quinn, 33. Ice Cream Man, number 37. The Immortal Thor, number three. Jean Grey, number three. Marvel Zombies, Black, White, and Blood, number one. Um, I also just read, speaking of the Black, White, and Blood subtitle, Marvel's done that with like, Couple. Wolverine and yeah. Deadpool and Marvel Vader. zombies. They just announced they're doing one with Alien, which I think is really okay. cool. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, anyway, Ms. Marvel, the new mutant number three, Power Girl number two, Spawn number 346, Star Trek Hollow Holloween number four. I think that's the last one of that Halloween uh, Star Trek series they've been pumping out this month. Star Wars Dr. Aphra, number 37. The Prism, number one. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures, number six. Uncanny Avengers, number three. Unstoppable Doom Patrol, number seven. What's the Furthest Place from Here, number 15. Wonder Woman, number two. And Wrong Earth, We Could Be Heroes, number one. Wrong Earth, shout out to Ahoy Comics, local Syracuse-based comic book publisher. Their new book, The Wrong Earth, We Could Be Heroes, comes out this Wednesday. Steve, you pulling any of these? You read anything? Anything uh, at all? As you know, all the X, uh, yep. all of X still. All um, those X's. All of, and in all honesty, they've all been solid. Um, you keep saying that. Yeah, I'm glad that they're uh, holding Jean, true. Jean Grey is such a weird take on it. It's like her going back through all her past. I, I don't, I can't tell if she's, she's on. Got there. a lot of past. There's, yeah, there's a lot that happened there. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's that's the thing um dark x-men has been dark uh mm-hmm. but also x-many so that tracks with the title great title then yeah yep yeah um the uh tmnt saturday morning adventures is always a fan favorite in this house yeah and same. Uh, you know beyond that i don't i don't know uh no that's i i would be curious if uh, that one shot I reviewed last week, the Captain Marvel one shot, 
whether yeah. that leads into this Captain Marvel one or whether this is a standalone. Because if it's if it's something like what was like that book, I'd be interested in it. But if not, yeah. then I don't know. Uh, Captain I would Marvel be surprised so, if... so tough to write. It's just like yeah, you know, it's it's effectively Marvel's version of Superman, right? So you know, yeah, she's un un unstoppable, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can't just have um, her on Earth because nothing's stopping her. Right. And then if you go cosmic, yeah. things just get weird. Yeah. Takes the right kind of person, for sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it does connect to that one shot, because like we talked about last week, I feel like when there is a movie coming out, it's smart for a company like Marvel to have a number one or a one shot or something in stores so people can go see that movie and then be like, oh, I can read more about this character. I'm going to go, oh, there's a number one. Picking it up perfectly. Um, Steve, did you pick up Dwellings number two by any chance this past week? I did. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> a cover. Have you read it yet? I have not yet. I've read the first story. Oh boy. <laughs> Still great. Still nice. harrowing. I can't get over. I know we raved about the first issue, but people, if you like horror books, you got to get this one. I know it looks like it's drawn. It, I know it looks like an episode of Dexter's Laboratory, but this just get it. It will rock you. <laughs> it is rough. It is disturbing. And harrowing, harrowing is the best word for it, I think. And it, based on this book, I think that he's developing a little bit of a uh, shared universe continuity with these stories, because there's references to some stuff that happened in the first book. Blah blah blah. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I've only read the first story. But man, Jay Stevens, Jay Stevens, this guy is crushing it. Dwellings. I know they got more of these at Funky Town. Yep. When I, I went, I was in there Wednesday. I picked this up. I think two other people, while I was, I was just there shooting the shit with Jesse for a while after yep. I bought my books, two other people came in and asked for this book while I was there. <laughs> like, it is a hot book. It is blown oh, up. The, people know. How many printings did the first one go to? Quite a few. Quite a few. I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be another one. But... I mean, you can jump in there. It's not a, you know, it's two short stories. Like I said, they tie into things. They tie vaguely into things that happened in the first book, but not enough that you couldn't read this story and not know what's going on. Like you just want to read two great horror stories. Go pick up this book. Dwellings, J. Stevens, Funky Town, Comics and Vinyl. Do it. Do it. It's so good. And all like the, like the fake ads. Oh, those back? are so great. They're so great. I spend so long staring at these things that I'm just like, yep. sometimes they, um, like sometimes they're an actual ad for something. And sometimes it just looks like it. Like that's another page of like things that just look like oh, yeah. ads. But if you read them, it's just like weird poetry. Uh, Wuthering. There's little joy in life for me. And Little terror in the grave. I've lived the parting hour to see of one I would have died to save. What? Sure. Why not? My God, man. It's so cool. It's so cool. I 
one of the coolest books I've read ever, ever. Dwellings. Yeah, yeah I'd Get have it. to say, yeah, I definitely a hundred percent one of the most unique books I've ever read. A hundred percent. Yes. And oh, um, Jesus, I don't know. I just saw the co- the covers for Dwellings number three. <laughs> Ooh, they rough. I, I I went with the A cover. There was a couple cool variants. There were. Of- yeah. To at Funky Town. I went with the A cover. I liked uh they put out a uh color swapped uh I don't know whether it was first printing or if it's a second printing, but it's the A cover in kind of black and red. Oh. And uh it looks uh, like you mentioned, quite harrowing. Harrowing. Uh, much yeah. more uh, much more bloody too. Ooh. More bloody? Yeah. It's pretty bloody. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, yeah, oh, the cover more, the, cover's the cover more is bloody. yeah cover is more bloody okay yeah so yeah, yeah i i can't even so it's good. so hard to put your put your finger on uh the like dwelling it's just such a weird ass book i know i can't wait to read more of it i can't wait to read more issues yeah yeah don't get me wrong um, i'm loving it it's just yeah weird as shit it's it's very weird but it's also like I want to read it, but I also like, like, I know it's going to be tough, <laughs> you know, like it's going to be, I mean, the scary, uh, it's going to scare me. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like don't, I got to like work it. myself up to be like, okay, here I go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. I'm going to read it. Yeah. Like okay, scary, yeah. scary stories to tell in the dark has got nothing on this shit. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the only way. He gets away with half of this shit is because it's drawn the way it is, like a like yeah. a Disney cartoon or like a Warner Brothers cartoon. Like, yep, yeah. The I think that's got to be it. I would not, love to for anyone who's not so. read any of it or knows anything about it. The synopsis from Simon and Schuster, the publisher: Welcome to Elwich, an oasis of small town perfection, where the schools overflow with cheery eyed children, lovingly adorned homes line the historic boulevards, and only the crows can see the deep festering rot that lurks within the pristine surface. Gross, Murder, gross. demonology, possession, obsession. Elwich has them all to offer. And behind behind every dwelling awaits a horrifying new story to be told. Shock, terror, and wry humor pepper every page of Emmy Award-winning Eisner Award-nominated cartoonist and animator Jay Stevens' dwellings. And that that is a damn good synopsis. It really is. It really is. I would uh I would love to pick his brain about the concept of this uh of this book and who knows hey someone in the who chat, knows hunter hunter Iggy in the chat's asking uh on um apparently on wonder woman day which was yesterday did not know that oh like official wonder woman day yeah i guess i didn't realize that either oh any... was that the uh was the anniversary of the Linda Carter show. I feel like I saw something about that this weekend. Yeah, October twenty first. So I don't know. Debut. Um, oh, it was yesterday. I also didn't realize it was Wonder Woman Day. What's the? Is there a question about Wonder Woman Day? Is there any significance to? Oh wow, Jesus! I just saw oh. the cover. But uh, you you liked it on Instagram. But uh, the new fifty two uh, cover thirty eight. It was uh. the bloody her looking like a Norse god instead of uh her standard themiscira look oh um i remember liking that it's uh i liked it because james gunn shared it right yeah yep uh where's my phone 
So is there anything uh, like significant about that issue? To my knowledge, no. I don't know. I liked it. I'll tell you why I liked it. Because um, <laughs> it's an awesome looking cover? Because <laughs> it's, well, yeah. Because one, it's badass as hell. Um, I can't find it again. Because uh, it's, but because it looks badass. And I like that James Gunn shared it because we haven't heard much about specifically Wonder Woman. We know that they're doing an Amazon series called Paradise Lost about, you know, uh, Themyscira, like Game of Thrones, but takes place in Themyscira was the pitch, apparently. And that pitch works for me. That sounds great. But he says it's a, it takes place before Diana is even born. So we haven't heard anything about specifically Wonder Woman from James Gunn. So, and we know in the past that he has, before he made his announcement in January, he was posting pictures. He posted a picture of Mr. Terrific. And lo and behold, Mr. Terrific is in Superman Legacy. He posted a picture of Lobo. And all these rumors are pointing, pointing towards uh, Jason Momoa playing right. Lobo in Superman or in something else. So I feel like sometimes when he posts a random picture like that, it makes me think that he's got a plan. So when he posts an absolutely like a picture of Wonder Woman that is like bloody and beastly and like just going really, really hard. It makes me excited to be like, Oh, he's got a new vision and a new take on Wonder Woman that we have not seen before in live action. And him, I liked it because he, him posting that made me excited for his vision of Wonder Woman, whatever that may be. And it might be a little bit more savage. It might be a little bit more red Sonia than we've ever seen in the past. So I kind of hope it is because I would like it to be different. I don't want it to just feel like the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman, but just with a different actress, I would like it to look and feel different i'm sure that it will and if that's the direction he's going in then i think that's awesome and i'm excited to see that because she does have that two sides to her personality yes she is the person that will lead with her heart and uh try to find peaceful solutions to everything but if the solution calls for war she is right there uh with her broadsword and shield and lasso and she's ready to go you know Uh she does what the situation needs so for me there it wasn't a a specific significance to that issue but the significance of james gunn posting it that's why i I was excited about it personally so so the other thing that uh came out of it was uh asa gonzalez Uh, apparently it was the uh top liked reply uh but uh she is a uh, mexican actress and singer uh who apparently was in baby driver and some other things. And uh, there was some rumors that that may have, or that, that sparked because of that. Oh, that she's going to play wonder woman. Yeah. So don't know where that went or whether that's got any legs to it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. There's always, uh, there's Um, always options and we'll probably hear more once the uh, SAG AFTRA strike comes to an end. He's a Gonzalez. I find her to be a incredibly attractive woman. Uh, she was in <laughs> just just full for admitting I have a huge crush on her. 
um, she was in the, she played the Selma Hayek role in the From Dusk Till Dawn TV show, which is oh, awesome. Okay. If you've never watched that, that is a great series. There's only three seasons. It is great. The first season is like the movie retold with a little bit yeah. extra at the end. And then the seasons two and three are just out there bananas. She's in all three seasons. She's great. Um, she has been rumored for another, a number of DC roles. I think she was rumored for, she might've been in the running for Catwoman, um, for the Batman before it went to Zoe Kravitz. She was rumored okay. to be up for that. Um, she was also in Godzilla versus Kong. Yes. So, uh, I think she's a pretty decent actress. You know, Godzilla versus Kong doesn't really show off, uh, her range. <laughs> Um, similar to the conversation we just had about the book, you don't really go to Godzilla versus Kong looking for an Oscar I don't, performance. I don't know if I see her as Wonder Woman, though. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I would trust James Gunn if James Gunn sees her as Wonder Woman, then I would trust him. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know enough about Wonder Woman or her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I met- I know more about Wonder Woman than I know about. Her. I don't know. I don't know that I see her. I would take her as one. Sure. So from the, also from the chat, uh, Catwoman. I would love her as Catwoman for sure. Like if we're, cause I guess you're right. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, we're talking about how we're going to have two different Batmen. Yep. We're going to have a lot, two different, a lot of different bat characters. We're going to probably have two different Jim Gordons. We're probably going to have two different Selena Kyle. So yeah, I mean, if she was up for the Batman, if she was up for Catwoman in the Batman, I can see her easily being a front runner for Catwoman in a different yeah. uh, franchise or a different movie. Brave and the Bold. You want to give her Selena Kyle? I would love her as Selena. I think I feel like she would be a better Selena Kyle than she would be as Wonder Woman. And I think I think I'm saying that just because I'm most familiar with her in that from Dusk Till Dawn series where she was a, a vampire mm. who you know killed people. So I can see her leaning more villainous than leaning more right um wonder woman model of purity yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 cool well love the chat asking I'm, questions any more questions we're... from the chat <laughs> it's what we got at present so and i think oh, we're, all right. we're running close on time seeing we've already gone an hour and 36 hour 36 we've been talking oh, sorry an hour 30 on the recording we had okay uh, yeah couple, then we have to be done that's there. way too long that's way too long <laughs> this what is this a star wars special no <laughs> this has got to be done an hour and a half my god and we thought it was a late week so yeah i did but hey thanks for thanks to uh anyone in the chat for asking questions that's really cool yeah um but we got to wrap this up it's too late that's too long well if you want to come back and check us out in the chat again we'll be back next week at about 9 30 there on or thereabouts usually it's close to like 9 40 9 45 but whatever um our halloween special but you know what? If you like and subscribe to us, you'll know when we go live, and you'll know when I schedule stuff uh, on the old YouTubes. So That's feel true. free to like check us. those out. Like, subscribe, leave a uh, leave a comment uh, as people have been doing. Uh, yeah. Also, feel free to subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review. Leave uh, leave a five star review, and we'll read Please. it on the air. Uh, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, and if you're used to watching us on YouTube and you want to just check it out on podcast, switch over to that too. Subscribe to that. If you are listening to us, but you want to 
see what our beautiful faces look like while we're talking, then watch us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Like, you can do both. You can subscribe to both. That'd be great. And it helps us all around. So all that, and um, I guess we don't have anything else. So until next time, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the multiverse.